we've been preaching in the past, uh, this will be the third and last week on this. Uh, we've been preaching on what I call the one another's. Um, there are many uh, scriptures uh, uh, in, in the Bible that talk about the one another. It says, do this with one another, that. And, uh, and, and we kind of have, have grouped them in certain groups. The three main groups, uh, I think it was about 30%, uh, was, on, uh, was on unity. About a third of it was on love. And then about 15% was on humility. And then there's all the others. Um, I'm not going to preach on all the others because then we turn that into a year-long one. Uh, it was pretty, pretty uh, good. But um, what I did uh, do for you and asked uh, Miss Debbie to do it, if you go to the website or the app, if you, if you have it, uh, you can go to sermons and sermon notes. And in the notes for this sermon, at the end, she went ahead and put down all the other verses that are about one another. And uh, they're worth your while to go look them up and read them. Uh, they're really good. But I'm not going to say anything about those. But today, we're talking about humility. We're talking about humbleness. And as a Sunday before Thanksgiving, what we realize is you cannot be thankful without being humble. Because if you're thankful, you're saying, I have received something or some benefit that maybe I deserve, maybe I didn't. What's going on? Okay, I thought something was happening. All right, uh, I'm getting some benefit that, that, that maybe I, I didn't deserve or I didn't earn. And so I have to have humility to be thankful to the one who's giving that to me, right? And, and so that's why during the, the, the time when we were mentioning the offering... I mentioned the verse in James that talks about uh, that every good and perfect gift is from the Father of light in whom there's no variableness or shifting shadow. God doesn't take it back. God doesn't change his mind. When he gives you something, he gave it to you and he knew what he was doing when, when he did that. And, and so I, I want us to think about that going into this Thanksgiving week and when you're with your family, uh, hopefully this Thursday or sometime this week, that, that you can be truly thankful for what God has given. I think... Uh, we, we tend to be negative because we look at what is lacking or we look at the problems. And, uh, and, and I'm not a power of positive thinking guy, but there is power in positive thinking. Uh, you know, if, if you think you're going to fail, well, you probably will. If you think you're going to succeed, you, you might. Uh, you might not, but at least you've got a good attitude about it, right? And, uh, and so, um, so I, I want you to think about humility. And here's what I want you to take, take home with you today. If you're going to look at humility you got to look at Jesus. Now, that, that statement left alone sounds a little weird to me, uh, even though I put it up there. Because, uh, because I, did Jesus have a need to be humble? The answer being no. <laughs> he is the originator of all things. Everything was made for him. Everything was made by him. Through him, nothing was made that was made. He is the... the progenitor of all of creation so what does he have to be humble about but the bible tells us he humbled himself so we're going to look at two main verses i'm going to put all the other verses interspersed in here about humility but we're going to look at these two main verses uh, or passages i should say one is in john 13 the other one is in the book of philippians at chapter Two. And so you can open your Bible to both those things and flip between them. And in fact, uh, I might need to do that with one of my little ribbons. So uh, I won't have to be searching for it so hard every time. And in, in John 13, we have where uh, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. 
And in Philippians, we have about the mindset of Christ uh, and, and his humility uh, and humbleness, both. He was humiliated on the cross, but he also had humbled himself to endure the cross. And so we're going to look back and forth at, at these two things. So I'm going to ask you once again to join me in prayer, and then I'm going to go to the Word of God. Lord God, again, as we open your Word, Lord, we come to, to talk about humility. Uh, Lord, you are our example. You, you told us to live like you lived, to do, do what you did. And so that includes this. You humbled yourself when you didn't have to. And if you did it when you didn't have to, we who really need to do it, we should do it. And so we ask God you'd open the eyes of our understanding that we would give you glory and honor by our very lives. Through this day, may the words that I speak be in accordance to your word. And Lord, may they, your spirit take those words, the words of, that are written in your scripture, and that you would drive them into our souls, that we would be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in, in John 13, I, I want you to just look at verse 14 for a second. In John 13, 14, we, we read these words. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So it's the concluding statement of what, what he did. And, and we're going to work back to that again. And so the, the first thing that, that I want you to see is that humility means that I will demean myself. Now, demean is a strong word. And, and I've struggled with leaving that word in there. Because it, it, here's the actual definition. It means damaging or lowering the character, status, or reputation of someone or something. I left it in there because of the word reputation. There's a difference between reputation and character. You know that, right? Character is who you are. Reputation is what people think you are. You with me? And, and so you got to remember that. You, you, you can lose your reputation. You can work on your reputation. But you're not really in control of what other people think about you. Therefore, you ought not let that worry you. The Bible says the fear of man does not accomplish the will of God. And, and that you ought to be more afraid of God than you are of men. There's not very men that are that way. But that's how we ought to be. Right? We ought to obey God, please God, make God happy, and let everybody else figure it out. But... Here in, in this verse, we have to lose ourselves. It, is, it, is, it is, could be taken as a command. He, he's not telling us all to always wash each other's feet because that was symbolic of something going on. And, and, and I'll probably mention that in, in just a second. But when he did what he did, he stopped and said, Now, if I did this, and you, you call me the master, you call me the Lord. And you're right, that's who I am. But if I did this for you, you ought to do it for each other. Because he is the, the example for us, for everything. He is the example of, of everything we need to do. And he certainly is the example even in humility. Let, let me just explain this. Go back up to verses 4 and 5 of John 13. Here's what he says there starting in four, it tells us a lot. We're, going to, we're kind of working backward through this passage. I'll come back to the first verses, but three, and, and then four says, Jesus rose from supper. 
he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And, and so we have this description of what he did. And in their day, when they wrote this down, John didn't need to go to that much description. He really didn't. They, they understood this. Because Jesus wasn't sitting there, well, actually lying there. They, they would lay like on a chaise lounge type thing. They wouldn't be sitting in a chair type thing. They, would be, they reclined at supper. And so they're, they're, they're kind of all reclining on these, these more like a lounge thing around this table. Uh, so it, it looks nothing like Da Vinci's depiction. Just go ahead and tell you that. Um, it, it, it looks different. And that's why John, it says John leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper. Because their, their, their little seats are next to each other. And he could just kind of roll over and he'd be laying right up next to him and speak to him. And that's kind of how this, this worked. And it was a custom in their day when you came in to someone's home, they had a basin of water by the door. How many of y'all have a mud room at your house? How many of you know what a mud room is? Okay, I didn't have one growing up because I didn't, we weren't on a farm, but my Aunt Mandy was. And so you came in, there's the mud room. The mud room is where you take off your muddy boots and you leave the mud in the mud room. Now, okay, that makes sense to everybody. Okay, now you know what I'm talking about. Well, they didn't have mud rooms. They had a room and they had a basin of water. And so, the least important guy in the house, you know, God help you if you're the baby, but the slowest servant would go kneel by that basin when company's coming, and as you came in, you would dip your, take off your sandal because they didn't drive, they walked, and they walked with shoes that did not cover their whole foot, it's more like a sandal. And the roads weren't paved. So you got there and your feet would be dusty, dirty. So you kick off your sandals. You don't track it in. That's why an Oriental custom, custom is they always kick off your shoes coming into someone's house so you don't track. And you would dip your foot in the water and that slave would sit there and wipe the feet. Right? That's the most demeaning thing. Especially if, you know, people come in them nasty looking feet, you know. I I'm not a fan of feet. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. This would take a lot for me. And we have this scripture. And what Jesus did is he took the lowest job. Now, we have to assume a couple of things here. And, and, and I don't think we'd be far off in assuming it. We have to assume that none of the disciples wanted to do it. There's 13 people in the room. Jesus and 12 disciples. They may have even had a discussion about it. Because there were no servants there. They... They set up the table, they got it ready, but there's no official servant. And probably, you know, knowing Peter's personality a little bit, we, we, we know some of these guys' personalities, he might have said something like, hey, uh, John, why don't you get over there on the basin because you're the baby of the group. And John, I may be the baby, but uh, too bad, I ain't doing it, you know. And, and so there may have had some kind of little discussion about it, but at the end of the day, nobody would do it. So Jesus comes in, and he sees this going on, and he waits, and then he gets up without saying a word, doesn't, doesn't criticize them, he starts washing their feet. Now, I, I'm not going to read it, but in the middle of this, when he gets to Peter, Peter with a guilty conscience says, no, Lord, you don't need to wash my feet, that's wrong. You know, he's probably feeling bad because he didn't, he didn't do this. And Jesus said, no, Peter, you don't get it. 
If you don't, if you don't let me wash your feet, you got nothing to do with me. Peter said, well, oh man, if, that, if it's a symbol of that, then wash my face and my hands and wash my, all of me. Jesus said, no, you know, and I, I, I think it's only because he is the Lord. He didn't go, no, you idiot. Um, you know, he said, no, you're already clean. It's just your feet that are dirty. You, you got to let me wash your feet. You know, as we walk in the world, our feet get dirty, don't we? And so we got to go to God and let him wash our feet because we can't forgive ourselves of our sin. We can't get our lives straight. And when we go off track, he's got to do it. That's what he's telling Peter. Peter, if you don't let me keep you up today, you're not going to be able to walk with me. And so Jesus takes the lowest job. And I mean, when you hear this description, he takes off his outer garment. He ties a towel around his waist. He gets down on his knees. The one who carved out ocean basins and filled them now fills a wash basin and washes Dirty disciples' feet. That's pretty humbling. It is an act of humility. But you see, Jesus has already done that. Flip over, I hope your finger's there, to the book of Philippians in chapter 2. The book of Philippians in chapter 2. And in verses 5 through 8, we have a description of what Jesus had already done. Because when he finishes this, he says... Do you get what I just did? And they didn't at the moment. But Philippians 2, 5 to 8, lets us in on the secret. In verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which was, is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That was just to become a man. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He's obeying the will of his father. He is acting as a slave to his father, the eternal son of God, the eternal God himself, part of Elohim, part of the triune God, humbles himself, becomes a man and becomes obedient to the father and washes disciples' feet. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus had already emptied himself. That is why he was able to wash disciples' feet. Do you know that Jesus still is asking you to have that kind of fellowship with him? I'm holding in my hand a commentary on the book of Revelation. I've, I've been using this a lot in our study. And... This tonight, what we'll be studying, uh, had a section in it that I wish I'd have had for last week's sermon. So I'm going to bring it into this week's sermon. And it's, it's the passage where in the scripture, Jesus stands at the door and knocks and asks to come in. And what, what is amazing about that, he is doing that at the church. He's doing that at the church. The church left him outside. There, there was a, a joke where I grew up. Was when we went from segregation to integration. In the South, an African-American decided he wanted to go to a white church, so he did. And they kicked him out. And he's sitting on the steps outside. And the Lord sat down beside him. And he said, why are you crying, Joe? 
He said, well, I wanted to go in there to church and they wouldn't let me in. He said, don't feel bad, Dad, let me in in years. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This promise is given by Christ. If a man loves me, we will come into him and make our home with him. That's in John 14, 23. A shared meal in the ancient Jewish world had far more significance than it has today. It still has significance today, though. It was a symbol of affection, of confidence, of intimacy. Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees, not merely for associating with publicans and sinners, but for eating with them. Luke 15, 2. Peter was criticized by the Jerusalem Christians not for preaching the gospel to a Gentile audience, but for eating with him. Now you know why God sent down a, a sheet full of animals and said, rise, kill, and eat. You're going to have fellowship with people you think are unclean. That's in Acts eleven three. So this present verse offers a more intimate relationship with Christ. You see, we want him to save us, but we don't want to come in, him to come in and make us look like him. Because if we look like him, we'll be humbled and we'll demean ourselves in order to serve someone else. Are you following that? I, I hope so, because that's heavy. It's very heavy. Humility is not passivity. Humility is not like, well, I'm not worthy. Humility is saying, I choose to serve the ones that God has told me to serve. And that's a call for all of us. Well, in Galatians 5.13, we see that we are to serve everyone else. You say, well, who am I supposed to serve? Everybody that's not you. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. All of us ought to be servants. All of us ought to serve each other. And we ought to serve everyone. And in the very text we're using in Philippians 2.3, we ought to be the lowest ranking person in the room. Because here's what he said before we read this great passage of his emptying. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And so you, one another, each one of you thinks the other person's more important. That goes contrary to our culture. Absolutely. We think we know who the most important person in the room is, and we all want to be that guy or that lady. Right? We call it ambition. God calls it sin. It's not wrong to be the top dog in the room. God, God wants people to be top dogs. But it's wrong when that is your motive rather than glorifying God. Because if you want to glorify God, you can glorify him by being the lowest servant. If you want to glorify God, you can glorify him by being the highest in men's eyes. But in God's eyes, those people are the same. Because they've served where God gave them opportunity. You don't need a big opportunity to serve. You just serve. Have you ever just held a door for somebody? That'll freak them out today. I mean, last night, Janice and I were coming out of a store. And I, I knew there was somebody coming behind me. And so I just opened the door for my wife. And I stood back and 
Well, and they said, thank you. And that, that was the most calm thank you I think I've ever got. But, uh, you know, sometimes they don't say anything. And sometimes they'll, well, well, thank you so much. But what was that? It was just active service. Why? Because it was a person that I could just serve momentarily. And they may say, well, that was nice. Well, that, well in Jesus' name, you know, you can, you can give him credit for that. But you ought to consider you're the lowest rank of person in the room and get to work. Because if you're not, the rest of them may, if, 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 you're, if, if you're not the lowest ranking person in the room, I mean, Jesus is obviously top dog in this room, right? He's top dog in every room he's in, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's always top dog, and he gets down and starts washing feet. And I got a feeling everybody starts squirming. Peter's just ADD. He couldn't, you know, he had the right to remain silent and didn't have the ability. He just said it. <laughs> Lord, don't wash my feet. No, you got to let me. Everybody else is just like, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? But Peter goes ahead and says something. But see, humility also means I'll forgive others. Because some people, while you're doing it, will say, that's right. Get down there and wash my feet. And you just smile and say, God loves you. I love you. The reason Jesus served his disciples is found, I tell you, in Philippians chapter 2. We read verse 3. But listen to what the other verses say. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We are to look out for one another and serve the interest of one another. You see, Jesus served his enemy. Go back to John 13. I told you we're going to flip back and forth. Go back to John 13. In John 13, look at verse during supper when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him Judas Iscariot is in that room and Satan has already put the thought into his heart if you betray him he'll be forced to bring the kingdom now probably was Judas's motive he didn't hate Jesus he just wanted an earthly king so we'll make him fight. We'll send Rome after him. If I send Rome after him, he'll have to do something. And what did he do? He went to the cross. And Judas realized he had totally messed up. And he had remorse, but he never repented. He is the one who's going to betray Jesus. Skip down to verse 26 of John 13. Remember it said the devil had put into his heart what to do. But beginning in verse 26... Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said, what you're going to do, do quickly. And no one at the table knew why he said this. Jesus washed Judas's feet before that. Jesus may have served you, but are you still loyal to him? And the Bible says we have to forgive others. Jesus died to forgive us of our sin, but he says, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you your sin. Jesus had had his feet washed. He ate supper with Jesus, but he allowed Satan to get a foothold and come into his life. We should always take second place. 
We ought to be comfortable in second place. Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We are to love one another. That's back there in the loved ones too, but it's also humility that we, we, we just want to serve more than the other guy. We want to give you all the credit. We want, to, we want you to get the glory. And we all ought to be serving Christ that way, right? You see, just know you're not the smart guy. Everybody wants to be the smart one in the room. Just read Facebook. Actually, don't read Facebook. It'll corrupt your mind. But everybody thinks they're, you know, you hear these people making statements like, when I make this statement, they'll all know the truth then. And then the next guy's like, you're an idiot. So it's just a fight over who can be the dumbest, not the smartest. Because if you're wise, if you're smart, you'll follow Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. That's in the Bible. Don't think you're so good, you're so important, that you're the most important person in the room. Forgive other people of their sins against you and be a forgiving person and, and show honor to others. You see, humility means I don't get any re- recognition. And I'm good with that. that. That's what humility means for us. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.21, we ought to be subject to one another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We, we, we honor Christ. And so, if, you, if you're my brother here and, and I have a disagreement with you, then, then, brother, we, we, we're having a disagreement. Let's pray and find out what Jesus thinks because we both are supposed to serve him and we're supposed to be getting along with each other. So let's figure that out. Let Jesus tell us. We just don't want to hear from Jesus because when it's, I, I had written in my Bible as a kid. I didn't write it in this Bible, but in the front of my Bible I used when I was a kid, it says, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. I would just say, when you know the plain sense of Scripture, seek no other sense because Sometimes God's sense doesn't make common sense. It's not wise in the ways of the world, is it? It's wise in the ways of God. And so we have to be subject to one another and seek his mind. You see, I want you to see where Jesus' mind was in that upper room. I told you we're going at it backwards. Because the Philippians tell us to have the mind that was in Christ. Well, let's look at what his mind was in John 13, 1 through 3. Now, as the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father. He loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Simon, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment. You get the rest. Listen to this. First of all, Jesus knew his death was coming. I want to tell everybody in this room, you're going to die. You don't know when. But it was a motivation for Jesus to humble himself. Now, he knew when. He knew exactly when. It was, it was predicted and written in stone in Scripture before the world began. He knew the exact moment he'd go to that cross and everything he would go through, and he did it anyway. You know your death's coming, but you don't know when. So you don't have time to be disobedient. 
Because you may say, you know what? I'm going to take this one exception and be a real ugly person right now. And then the Lord may call you home. I don't want to meet him like that. Jesus loved the ones he was leaving. This is his motivation to wash your feet and to get this point across to them. And he loved them so much he was willing to serve them almost literally on his deathbed in a sense of the word as he's going out the door. You know, we always think that the last word someone says are the most important. Well, the last thing he said is humble yourself, serve one another. He knew what God had given him. He knew all things came to him from everything God had was his. He knew it came from God. He knew he was going back to God. Did you know you're a joint heir with Christ if you're a Christian? So God's given all things to you. Is what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1. All the promises of God are yours in Jesus, right? And by that we give the amen. So you got everything. What, why do you have to fight and claw for more? He's already given it to you. Why are you fighting for what he's already given you? And you're going to go back to God and he's going to say, what would you do with everything I gave you? <laughs> So Jesus, knowing he came from God, going back to God, said, let me teach this lesson to them because they need to do it and I need to do it. I need to fulfill what God sent me to do. I want you to understand, I've said this before and I wasn't going to do it, but let me do it real quick. What he did here is what he did. He emptied himself from heaven. He took off his God suit and laid it aside and put on a man suit, put on a body, became a human. He set aside his glory that he could come and live with us. And the Bible says in Hebrews, after he made the sacrifice, he went back to heaven and sat down and put his glory back on. At the end of washing their feet, it says, he went back, put on his clothes, sat down. The Bible uses the same word so we'd get the point. And then looked at him and said, do you get what I just did? What he did was be an example of what he did for us in salvation. That he set aside his deity to become one of us. That he could live a perfect life. So he could be a worthy substitute for me on the cross. For you on the cross. For the church on the cross. He paid the price that we could be called his own. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He knew what was his. He didn't have to fight for it. He just submitted to the will of God. We, we, we don't have to fight for it, guys. God's given it to us. We just need to use it to his glory. What he's given us. Well, to round it out, we ought to have the same mind. Philippians 2, 5, we've read it already. Have this mind which is also in Christ. We ought to have the same mind. That, and that verse goes on that, that we ought to be serving one another that way and then we ought to embody humility first peter 5 5 peter wrote this likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble we have to be humble with one another listen god has put multi-generations, multiple races, multiple everything in the church and in this church. And every person that is here is here for a reason. And the reason is that we can look like Jesus and act like him. And we don't have room for anything else. We have room for nothing 
else than to look like Jesus. So, are you willing to be the lowest person in the room just in order to serve one another? Are you willing to say, I'll take the low job. I'll do the, what's the worst thing you got? I'll take that one. I'll do that. So many times we ask people to do something and they're, well, I, I don't want to do that. I don't know why they're, all their reasons may be. that they, they may be good to say no because that might not be what God called them to do. And they might say, hey, here's what I think God wants me to do. But I'm just saying if, if we say no just because we don't want to do it, that's not the right reason. I mean, there's things I'm not good at you don't want me to do. But if it needs to be done, I'm the only one there, I'll do it. But I don't want you to complain about how bad it was because I was the only one willing to do it. Listen, if you're willing to do it, I ain't going to complain about how you did it. Just thank you for doing it. Are you willing to forgive your enemies in order to serve them? Would you wash your enemy's foot or feet? Would you be willing to do that? Say, no way. <laughs> That'd be our human nature. We'd say no. Thirdly, are you willing to receive no credit for what you did just so you can serve someone? I, I'm convinced I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, man, I can't wait to see that parade of all the greats and you won't recognize a one of them because nobody on earth knew who they were. They served God in some little place, some backwater nobody's ever heard of and all they did was glorify God in their entire life by doing everything they possibly could do for the sake of Jesus. And nobody in the world ever recognized them. Nobody in the world ever noticed them. But they were praying. They were loving. They were serving. They were a blessing to others. And I bet in heaven. There's a bunch of big shots. Going to have to take a back seat. Jesus said if you want to be first. Be last. Be last. 